I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch wants you to know that Ronald Reagan was literally a space alien. And no, it's not some sort of QAnon thing. I mean, he was literally a space alien. pitched you it, it would have been too much work and it and it probably wouldn't have been all that funny but i was going to pitch you before recording this episode that like what if we our intro was six minutes of me going say the line <laughs> you're like i'm not gonna say the line <laughs> like say the line say we'd love to watch but not the, this the physicality <laughs> in keeping it going is probably would translate well to i don't know a podcast would be my guess. Yeah. Um, also, people know we don't record in the same room, so your threats are empty. By the time you get oh, here, so you I just, I just like hit the mic a lot and be like, yeah, <laughs> I just smacked you in the head. You hear that? I know you enough Smack to know that by the time you got on a plane and you flew here, you, you wouldn't be mad anymore. You'd just be sad. It'd be, long, be longer than the fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> I take the mic and my computer the whole time. Mm. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bash him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna clunk this blockhead. Yeah, the first live revenge trip to punch a fellow podcaster in the face. But yeah, where we love to watch for a movie podcast, we pick a theme, we do movies over the course of a month around that theme. And if we remember, we compare and contrast. It is our second week of fuck Ronald Reagan month, and I, this is just so important to underline. Every week for this month, because we don't want people to get the wrong idea. When we say fuck Ronald Reagan as a theme for this month, we mean the movies we're covering have that very clearly as their ideology. We are not saying that we, Aaron and Pete, would ever say fuck Ronald Reagan. Now, separate to that, fuck Ronald Reagan. Oh, yeah. Like, so hard. He's the worst. Oh, yeah. Like, if he... I follow the... Uh, I follow the Twitter bot that's Ronald Reagan fun facts, and every day it just tweets at me he's still dead, and it's great. It's just a nice I reminder. love it. It's just a good reminder. I feel good every time I see. I've I've probably seen it once a day for a year, and every time I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. It's but I want to be clear. Our personal ideology around Ronald Reagan, which again, fuck that guy. Mm. Not not what this theme's about. This theme's about the movies. Yeah. We're, we're, we're really here to talk about the movies and the fact that um, Ronald Reagan died surrounded by loved ones. Um, probably a little confused and scared. Well, he didn't know they were loved ones. Yeah. Um, probably a little confused and scared because of his mental state. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's died surrounded by loved ones considered uh, largely a success. Many of his his um, scandals had, had shifted away in the popular media because yeah. the popular media is cowards. Uh, that, that enrages me. Um, quite a bit on a personal level, but yeah. this, this podcast is purely professional, baby. It's a, prof- it's it's a movie only. podcast. We would never take our politics and inject it into the movies if they weren't there. Yeah. Now, in this case, for these movies, mm-hmm. these movies are saying, fuck Ronald Reagan. I think we have to at least, like, as critics, Peter, which mm-hmm. I think I always introduce myself when I meet someone, I, I say, critic, <laughs> husband father in that order um i think like as a critic we just have to we owe it to ourselves to take the film makers 
message seriously whether or not we agree with it or not. And in this case, we do a hundred and million percent. Yeah, we are – John Carpenter was holding up a mirror to society and we are holding up a mirror to John Carpenter. Yeah. And I – yeah. <laughs> and and he, he's asking us to play Borderlands and we're like, dude, we got to record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with recording on Saturdays. Um, you constantly just be Borderlands. You, you get barraged with Borderlands invites. Um, he says he really likes Jots. the Tiny Tina expansion thing. I bet – I mean, you're joking, but I 100% bet he does. <laughs> it's more Borderlands, <laughs> and a I, game that he is on I, the record is loving. I think it's a standalone game. So he would probably correct you by saying it's an expansion as opposed to a side mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Very disrespectful of me to Tiny Tina, a character I have been assured is, exists by Gearbox Entertainment. <laughs> Uh, a character who I played her mission in Borderlands 2, the only Borderlands game that I played, had so much fun with it. I bought the DLC that includes Tiny Tina, never was able to figure out how to access it after I beat the game. Wow. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that $5 that I paid is gone mm-hmm. sometime in 2009 or whatever. We are. It's, it's sad. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talk- we are back. We're talking about here, I think. We, I, I, we need to make space for this. Um we are back to talking about John Carpenter, a filmmaker that I consider my favorite director of all time. Uh, I'm glad that we are. I'm up there. I'm ex- up. He, he's he's up there. Like he's he's definitely him and like Cronenberg. I would say are my two favorite like genre filmmakers. But I would also put both of those two in like my top five. Like I like I I do think my top five would be. You know, unranked would be Carpenter, Cronenberg, Lynch, Dante, and Kubrick, probably. Yeah. Um, I have directed um, a few short films, and therefore I consider myself my actual um, favorite director. Um, because oh, I've learned yeah. to love me. That's good. And I technically I've directed, have directed something. I've directed a few short films as well. Um, and that is why I'm I'm hosting a podcast with you. <laughs> now everyone has to suffer. Yeah. Um, They're like, everyone was like, not short enough. <laughs> why don't you, why don't you, instead of be behind the camera, why don't you uh, get in front of the camera? Why don't we take away the camera completely and just leave this little microphone? Yeah. You went from 24 frames per second to one frame per second. And it's a picture of your lunch on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I do it for the art because I'm a critic, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't ever. I can never. And I'll tell you what. The people who saw my movies also critics. Yeah. I, I, I can't um, ever swallow it when somebody refers to themselves as like a podcaster critic or a YouTuber critic, even though I'm yeah. aware that what we're doing here is legitimate. It's criticism. I get it. it yeah. It's legitimate. We put a lot of work into this. We do research. We we collate our thoughts. From the first five minutes of this podcast, I don't think you'd have any idea that we had. Um, but you, do you even know what movie we're covering? You you might not know. Yeah, I mean, if I was, just, I was, if this auto played, yeah, you'd be guessing maybe. I was trying to walk us to the part of the episode we're not oh, editing sure. out. Um, but the movie that we're covering today is sure, sure. going to be introduced by Aaron now. They live. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't. I this, can't stress this enough one of the how, how how this is a. Mo- I can't stress enough how weird it is that we haven't covered. They live. Like I actually had to do a little search through our thing. Like we've never 
We've, we've, well, we've I actually, I was, live? I was hyper aware that we hadn't covered They Live, mainly because I have a better memory than you, but also because um, we did that Carpenter month where, you know, there's John Carpenter directed about 20 movies. I think there's probably like 15 of those that would be worth covering on this show at some point. And in the first two years of this podcast, like unlike some of these other filmmakers that we hold in high regard, like Lynch or Cronenberg, uh, we knocked out a ton of them. Like we did that Carpenter month and then we did the thing really early on. And I think we had a Halloween special. We did the Halloween special. So like when, when I, when I was looking and like, what else do we have to cover? We're actually like running a little out of Carpenter. We still have some huge ones, right? We have the fog. We have escape from New York. Um, but like, we're not, I cannot foresee a possibility of us covering like members of the invisible man or the word or stuff like that. So, um, I, this was one of the big ones that I knew we were kind of saving for a, for a good month. Um, and it's a, it's a movie of his that I feel like just continues to gain um, respect and like positive criticism. Like this, this movie from a critical perspective was kind of a middling flop um, at the time it came out, not a flop flop financially, but like critics were like, for the most part, like, yeah, that was uh, a little bit too on the nose and a little too obvious. And the actor's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And like, now when you look at the, the, like the, critical consensus it's like it has like a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes and you know people people love this movie and i i find myself being mirrored in that too like i saw this in high school and thought it was a great uh great premise executed poorly like that was my takeaway when i saw this when i was like 17 and my 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 how much i've loved this movie has grown over the last 20 years Quite a bit where this time, like I watched it and I moved it up from four and a half to five stars. And my and my joke in my like letterbox re- review was like, uh, this happened to a buddy of mine, uh, the buddy of mine, the United States of America. Like <laughs> it feels <laughs> it feels more real than I like. I I don't know. Like I was actually like so, so blown away by and I, how much this movie just feels like um, it saw the future and basically like like there's nothing in this movie as we see today that is not true and happening and like yeah and it, with the with the exception of them being like literal aliens everything else is accurate and it's it's bizarre how it's only gotten more like it was accurate when when in nineteen you know in the eighties nineteen eighty four when John Carpenter made this too it's only gotten more relevant yeah so john john carpenter in an interview had a pretty good um pretty good quote which is basically that the 80s never ended um that this area this era of 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 worship of consumerism this sort of fuck you i got mine capitalism uh and you should you know you should be happy that i got mine because that you know we're all playing in the, the same market um that sort of uh smile while somebody is is fucking your life up kind of capitalism he says that that's never the 80s never ended from that perspective and uh if you look at the modern world today i 
think that you I think it's pretty obvious and and then you mentioned the critical reception of this yeah I, I did the thing that I do for a lot of these movies which I you know you go back and you read like what did the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever who yeah what did people think Ebert. about this yeah, yeah. Ebert, I always pop by Ebert um Ebert gets made fun of in this movie um Siskel and Ebert get made fun <laughs> of in this movie very very briefly yeah. um yeah. and uh I I was surprised to see people just knocking it as a sort of, you know, inch deep, shallow satire, you know, you know, big, big flash and guns blazing. And there's a big dumb wrestler on there with a big gun shooting at the like all of that stuff is there. And we'll get into it because, like, I think the way that this movie presents his ideas is amazing. But the, yeah. the reason that this fits so well into the Reagan month is because when you view this through the the the. Um, scope or the perspective of this as being a piece of anti-Reagan, anarchist, anti-consumerist media, it's actually fairly enriched because it's not just about how the forces of marketing um, try and sell everybody from, uh, you know, homeless people all the way on up on a lifestyle that's kind of a lie. It goes well and deep beyond that. There's every single element of this movie has a reason for being there. Even like – yeah. I, I, I I have some problems with the finale, but like almost every piece of the finale, I'm like, yeah, it still serves the the greater purpose of, of the movie. Um, this movie, I think, deserves to live in the great canon of sort of um, pump, uh, punk filmmaking through a mass market media um mass market media lens the same way that uh verhoven's films do snow piercer yeah. um obviously repo man we're going to be covering and even later on i see a lot a lot of commonalities between this and the matrix and it's not just because the worst people in the world picked up they live and the <laughs> matrix and decided yeah. to uh, make them make this movie a little bit of theirs it's so funny that people like th- this one is so obviously not on their side uh, i know i know like uh, in 2016, John Carpenter actually addressed the idea that, like, this this movie was showing the great Jewish conspiracy. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, it, it, none of that is even, like, you know, winked at on screen. It's just amazing how clueless, like, Nazi film bros will just see this and go, yep, this is about the Jews. And, and the, some of the um, only mo- – the sort of uh, navel gazing uh, Jacobean uh, type of of leftist that spends so long getting mad about movies that they forget to do any actual um, political action. Um, yeah. The the they they even this becomes a culture war thing for them because sometimes I've seen people argue on Twitter like left leaning people argue on Twitter. I think most of these people are fucking tankies, so they should be ignored. But um, is that the movie is. Um, by dressing up as a uh, big budget action movie, but with a, you know, a, a leftist bent that the movie actually betrays itself or that the fact that the, or the fact that the movie could in any way be confused as being about uh, global Jewish uh, conspiracy uh, means that the movie failed because uh, it wasn't obvious enough that the Nazis uh, needed to, you know, the Nazi punks needed to fuck off uh, that they that they were they weren't welcome here. And to those people, I say not just not just you're stupid but um first um that that uh, yeah. uh, satire and science fiction and horror is like a very common thing yeah uh, nazis you should read, read about it yeah just check it out um check nazis out. are wrong about literally everything why would they not be wrong about movies 
Two, though uh, I would never say that Hollywood is uh, leftist. Um, in, in fact, it's sort of center left uh, at best. Um, Hollywood uh, doesn't make many movies for a conservative bent. Um, so conservatives and Nazis and far right people have a very hard time seeing themselves in film. Um, so they end up just yeah. having to grab on to something so that they can have something that that leaves them inspired yeah. because in, that, in, that's why they're so concerned about white people being the leads. Yes. In all exactly. the movies, because they're like, look, I'm, I don't really care what the what the politics of this are of this movie is because I'm going to warp it around my like, uh, you know, Nazi worldview regardless, but I definitely can't identify with the main character. If it's not a white man, yeah. a straight cis white man. Yeah. And as somebody yeah. who is, um, I would consider myself a leftist. That's not, um, uh, too brain worm consumed, um, <laughs> yeah. minor brain worm consumption. Um, the, 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 uh, the, uh, argument from sort of like the, um, critical elite that this movie is, uh, you know, super shallow and, and, you know, the subtlety is completely gone and that's an actual problem with the movie. Um, I have to say one, as we said before in the show, subtlety is overrated. Um, yeah. Two, the entire sort of brash, we're going to cast a fucking wrestler and he's going to th- throw one-liner quips that he wrote himself at you on the screen. Yeah, he wrote himself for wrestling. Yeah. yeah. The fact that he's throwing all that in there is part of part of the, the, char- the pitch. The pitch is being pitched at, at people just going to see an action movie are going to get some of the social message. People that um, are super, uh, you know, the, this, the highly educated people um, that are just checking that out as like, you know, a piece of pop cinema and are viewing it from that scope are going to get the message. People that are watching it vaguely on a TV while like, you know, the kids are running around in the background are going to get it. Yeah. People that are watching in a theater and they're like kind of hung over and they're kind of falling asleep and nodding off. They're going to be able to catch up if they lose 20 minutes um it's the point is that it's being pitched at people from all levels of engagement not just um this rather elitist idea that oh it's a dumb movie made for dumb people no well yeah and that it's also is a feature it's not a bug it it is a feature it's a john carpenter movie like john carpenter was never like shy of about his leftists and like you know pro worker leanings uh but uh, he he still makes John Carpenter movies, so this is that very explicitly in a John Carpenter movie. You know, uh, adopted uncle of the show Rick Kelly and I were actually just talking about something about this because we, you know, we were talking about buying books for our kids and like wanting to buy books that instill our values, our leftists, you know, leftist uh, just humanist uh, values, humanist values, yeah, and. And we were talking about how, like, a lot of the books that people talk about a lot as, like, the great books for your kids are actually great books for uh, for the parents of the kids. Like, I like A is for Activism too, or A is for Activist, but my every time I've tried to read that to my kids, even as they've gotten older, it's a bunch of words they don't understand that, like, I understand <laughs> about, like, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not aimed at kids. It's aimed at parents who want to have a is for activist on their their shelf and it sort and of like, soothes your anxiety that your child is going to become b- grow yeah. up and be numb to the causes yeah but there's like a great like book about, so and, and, I, and a lot of those like they're well-meaning it's not like i'm i'm critical of the books for existing 
Um, and it's okay to have picture books that are aimed at adults too, although I don't think these are, are doing that. Like, no, but like I was looking for some like trans books to, to buy my kids to like help, you know, telling stories, educating them. And like I bought a couple that really were just like – just like a textbook, like explaining the situation. That's great for like older kids, but like my four-year-old's not going to get that. And then, you know, I found this great book that I think Rick had recommended in like a group of ones that he was reading. That's like about a red, a red crayon whose label is red, but uh, the crayon draws blue and all the other crayons keep giving them ideas about how, if you just did these things, you would draw red the way that your label says. And then eventually someone's like, Oh, the problem is your label's wrong. Like, you're a blue crayon, right? And, like, my daughter loves that book. And she doesn't necessarily understand today how that relates to, like, you know, LGBTQ, like, people. But it's it's the exact – it's a story that has the message and as she gets older and stuff like that can, can put those two together. Like, that, those ideas are being introduced. And, like, that's the way I always think about, like – yeah, it's okay. Every story about like every leftist movie doesn't have to be an explainer. Yeah. It doesn't – it can just be like uh, – you know, it can just be like, hey, this is a this is a horror action sci-fi comedy movie that is about how capitalism um, is literally like if uh, an alien race was conquering the planet and destroying it for themselves and making all of us miserable – uh, as a result, and the the when it comes to that, like this, I, I mentioned this. I think this of of the movies we're covering this month, uh, this is like the most explicitly anti Reagan movie we're covering. Repo Man's very anti Reagan, but it's also very anti Reagan and, and capitalism, like a very younger punk fuck this system way. This is really, I think, going a little bit more than the rest of the movies we're covering into like the humanist uh, toll mm-hmm. and the way that people live under. Like uh, this, this hyper capitalism means, and it also is like this is going to feel like some sort of cliche or hyperbole or you know an observation that's been made before or whatever. But it this felt like a documentary watching this today. Like there's oh, there's yeah. absolutely there's absolutely nothing that's happening in this movie that isn't essentially happening in real life, up to and including like it's so funny that critics at the time thought this was like shallow and like. You know, a, a thin, thin satire without much to say. Like this movie has so many things it has gotten completely right. This movie references global warming as a cap, like a, basically that they're destroying the planet because it benefits them financially. The aliens. Global like, warming is a. Uh, it, it's not just yeah. It's and, and it's not just um, that the uh, you know just strip mining the planet and yeah. and produce 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 makes them rich and lets them live fat and happy lifestyles. Oh, while we're here, um, the name of the movie they live. I forgot this for some reason because it's been like five years since I've seen this movie. It's because it, uh, there's it's a, part of a graffiti. Yeah, I forgot it. Too. Yeah, it's they live, we sleep. So yep. we'll get into all that as well, because even uh, Woke and Sheeple, we talked about this a lot in the Matrix episode, but Woke and Sheeple and all those words have been co-opted by the worst people on the planet. Um, but uh, the They Live, We Sleep is referring to the fact that they are <clears throat> they are living the excess, the, the elite lifestyle um, based off of a skimming off uh, and, and in some cases just careening off uh, the the topmost cream of the crop uh, of every uh, benefit that our society can have 
they're just gobbling that up and leaving nothing for us, leaving people that work their asses off all day, every day to live in squalor. And they're still going to bulldoze your fucking camp. And what you said, Aaron, reminds me of the fact that when this movie comes together, the ideas come together. The idea that global warming might also be like a terraforming thing. It's kind of fun. Like, I never thought about it that way that like, um, oh, well, they, you know, maybe they like the atmosphere to be able to match. Well, yeah, they, they don't care that they're, yeah, that they're, they're making money doing this and they're making the atmosphere more livable. And at the end of the day, you know, they are strip mining our entire world and then they're going to go to the next planet and, and do that. And that like, that is what, especially like in the last couple of years with COVID and like, you know, you know, trillionaire, you know, billionaires, like quadrupling their their money while the rest of us like suffer with uh you know just just becoming glaringly obvious how hollow and how um how hollow capitalism is at helping anyone but the most rich people like it 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 is becoming like i think i mean not that it wasn't glaringly obvious before but like you can you can easily see how like oh the reason why Elon Musk or whatever fuckhead you want to, you know, put in there doesn't care is because he doesn't ever need to care. It does not matter if the world is destroyed, because even if global warming it, it meets all the predictions in 10 years or 20 years or whatever else, like way sooner, he individually will be fine. And this is a movie about people saying – we are fine individually being okay and the way the movie presents it because we are actually – we actually don't view ourselves or we are – I guess literally in this movie, we are not part of the human race. But what happens – why that's a very like thin satire to the reality and why it feels like a documentary is that in real life, they also feel that exact way. It's uh, – we don't feel like we're like you and we are definitely not going to have to suffer any of the consequences that you will so you know literally let them eat uh let them eat cake yeah but this movie's also noted really quickly there's a line well just really 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 quick i just want to know but the global warming thing is also notable because like that's this global warming is like a scientific consensus like was realized in the late 70s it really wasn't popularized as like a cultural idea at the time this movie came out, there's like some notes about how this is one of the first like mainstream movies that talks about the fact that the the planet was heating up due to man's, uh, you know, strip mining of it for resources. And uh, like that's how ahead of the curve this movie was. Yeah. And the the another point here that, that you, you were talking about how this movie is still incredibly relevant. Um, we are in a more globalized economy than ever before. That's a pretty pat thing to say. But the reason I I bring it up is because there's a line right next to that global warming line where he says, uh, Earth is a developing planet. It's we're their third world. And he sort of smiles, like almost as if Carpenter is smiling at you. It's the motivation of the aliens explained in literally two lines of dialogue by a drifter character that has like almost no bearing on the plot except for he comes in he's like shows off some cool tech and then he explains the alien's motivation and then he's like bye boys and he he pops out and everyone whether or not you deny you're being exploited or you deny you are exploiting somebody that's 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 a different different discussion 
everyone understands exploitation so you can explain that those the the concept of the movie in two lines and everybody will get it that doesn't mean the movie's shallow because the movie constantly elaborates on its point in, in interesting ways but i love that the, the motivations of the aliens don't have to be complicated because capitalism as a force is so seditious that if you just make the person doing capitalism an alien literally an inhuman then all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, as soon as it's not like a rich person with with massive amounts of intergenerational wealth, like Elon, we were just talking about Elon Musk, um, benefited off of uh, apartheid uh, mineral mining and diamond mining and such, um, uh, literally, like, took advantage of, of a, a horrific, yeah. a horrific racist situation to, to uh, build his family's wealth. Um he, and then buy his company and acts like he invents it. He, like, that's all he's, he's done not, his entire career. Um, yeah. He uh, he is um, he he is that person. Like he is he, he's exploited. Uh, he has the intergenerational wealth. It's stacked and stacked and stacked. Uh, he has a weird like. <laughs> very, very strange South African mother that's defending his like fifty-year-old uh, son uh, on Twitter, like. The, the elites round circle the wagons and protect each other. And that's another big part of this movie is that like, yes, a like <laughs> as soon as the capitalists aren't human, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, it's horrifying um, because, you know, you can sell out. Maybe you get to be part of that inner circle. But like, you know. Pro- probably not going to benefit you and also you have to be be an ethical blind spot but you have to have a huge ethical blind spot but two this is not your planet anymore <laughs> like you do not have control of the system the system does not trickle down to benefit you the system either has you buy into the exploitation and make some money or um, you don't buy into the system and you stay poor no matter how hard you fucking work yeah I mean, that is, I mean, yeah. The, the, and the other thing that, like, this movie gets on really quick is, like, you can't really stop it because even as, like, humans have figured out what's going on, oh, well, we have two choices. We can kill you or we will just give you money and you can also benefit from our destruction of the planet. Like, how many fucking senators and congressmen that we think are like leftists or left-leaning that like go to fight the system and just end up being like oh you know what else instead of that what if i just get a bunch of money and i will be fine from like you know from the 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 pores of capitalism like it, it is that like you know protecting everyone or even most people is challenging what i can do is make sure i am fine and then you know for for all practical purposes like the sad part is they are relatively protected from the horrors of capitalism and global like their kids might not be and their grandchildren might not be although you know unless life goes extinct on the planet you know someone who has a hundred billion dollars uh you know uh or generation generationally will likely be fine as well and like that is what it's so frustrating about the system as well is that like they they are in some ways like undefeatable because even the people you know challenging them um are 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 able you know are able to be bought and just like okay we'll just make you so that you're fine you have all the money and some people uh you know some some people do not succumb to that but a lot of 
a lot of people, unfortunately, very much do. Yeah, and it's it's it it's why like it is it is depressing. Like there's there's no way around it. Like the you know uh, we may be right, but we are losing. <laughs> yeah, there's a line that the uh, the drifter guy says. He says <clears throat> there ain't no countries anymore. Um, which you know he's sort of I think he's sort of. Uh, poking at the the network line there there are no countries there are no borders there's just inner uh you know whatever talk about uh massive uh global uh corporations of the new countries um and uh he says you could have a taste of the good life um and there's another line here where he says we all sell out every day might as well be on the winning team and yeah you were which, which is about, a direct quote hold on which is yeah, a direct yeah. quote of the of of one of the studio people who saw this movie, Carpenter, thank God, had final cut. But he was like, I don't understand why there's any conflict in this movie. We all you know, we all sell out every day. It's just part of like living our lives. And he's like, uh, John Carpenter was like, Well, fuck that. Now you're going in the movie, bud. I, I yeah, he uh it was pitching this movie and uh, an exec said, Well, what's the big deal? Like, you know, uh, <laughs> we all sell out every day. Yeah. Um and the reason that I think that line is so genius, so like this movie is a movie about guns blazing. Um I took it. I was taking some like inventory when I was watching it because like you know yeah. 80s movies you think of big guns um, and you think of big hair too and he's got a, a Roddy Roddy Piper's got a pretty good mullet. Um, there's Roddy Roddy Piper has a Desert Eagle. Multiple guns have these big compensators on them just to make them look bigger. Um, there's uh, his gun that he goes on the shooting spree with is a shotgun. He gets a gun from a cop and it's like a six inch barrel 357 Magnum. Like, yeah. These are all big show off guns. They're cool guys. But when you're watching the movie, particularly in the third act, you're not particularly scared that 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 uh, that uh, Frank or Nada, um, Frank played by Keith David and Nada played by Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Um, you're not particularly scared for them because they're in sort of an action movie mold. What you end up scared with for them and what you scared with them on multiple rewatches once you know how the ending goes down, because it's kind of a dark ending. The heroes win, but they both die horribly. Um, is that, um, (laughs) is that people aren't, the cop says, I might blow your brains out. But, you know, we can just go somewhere quiet. We can have a conversation. The drifter guy yeah. is constantly trying to get him to buy in. People are like whenever people are cornered, they're like whenever the aliens are cornered, they're like, yeah, like you can come in and we'll buy you. We can we can buy both of you. And that's the weird thing that's scary about the movie is you're not actually afraid of either of these two big burly action stars getting blown away. You're afraid that the wrong person is going to get bought out at one of them is going to get bought out. Like yeah. you're afraid of dollars more than you are of bullets in this movie. And that's a genius subversion of the eighties action trope where guys yep. can stand in the middle of a room with a machine gun and blow away six guys that for some reason can't aim for shit. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's such a, it, it, it's a great point because one of the genius things about this, this movie is that besides the fact that underneath their disguises, their hideous zombie alien looking uh, people, uh, there's they they have no special alien powers, right? Like the bullets kill them just as much. They are effectively 
as the exact same as humans, except that they have face disguises on. Everything else is the exact same. They kind of, you know, they, they, they have the same abilities as humans. They have the same, um, they have the same, like, a, Ability or not ability, but weakness to bullets being shot at them. I mean, they're they, horny. They are, as they're horny. The final shot. They like eating everything else. Like they, they're the, they're literally the exact same. Which I think is also the genius of this movie. Yeah, he said it was inspired by Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but don't they drink like weird goo in that? And they have to have like oh a, yeah, a they're more powerful. They, they they have the scream. Like they're 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 disguising themselves as human, but they're inhuman once that disguise is is real. And that's true for most movies where they're aliens. Like you know, bullets can't kill them, or they have some hive mind or super technology that we don't have. Um, with the exception of the transporter, like the the intergalactic bus route brute like they are effectively again the exact same as humans which is again the genius of the movie the idea that we don't you know the end of the movie to 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 skip a little bit ahead is that they you know he they reveal that they take away the mass and they see everyone as as uh, as how they actually are the genius of this movie is that you have to ask what does that fundamentally change because everything that they the like Everything they've been doing up to that point that we've seen, which is just Reaganomic capitalist bullshit, now will seem nefarious if it's non-humans doing it because there's no difference fundamentally with with like they don't they're not like, oh, these people are taking our children and sucking their blood. Nope. Not literally anyways, right? Like it does not change anything that they're doing. There's not an evil plan besides just aliens non-americans doing capitalism uh to us which is also why like i was i was thinking about like with how close this is to just uh our existence like if a broadcast like this happened like would it even rate like what would it fundamentally change like because all the people in power that we are fighting anyways to to have them stop being in power are the same people like i guess i don't know maybe more rioting in the streets like it it's it's funny how little it it matters that they're aliens at the end of the day yeah yeah i i i just love i also love that it's just like <laughs> It's essentially like a fancy Halloween mask, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like, basically it. Oh, and also a side note, because I don't know if we'll get back to it. Uh, Sandy King, um, John Carpenter's uh, wife uh, of many years, uh, designed the mask. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like red and blue. It's really evocative. Like you were talking about, it's kind of like skeleton bug thing. Um, and it's really, it's particularly evocative in the black and white scenes. Cause when he puts on the sunglasses, it's, it's, uh, makes the world, uh, black and white. Um, yeah. And they shot it in like black and white film stock too. So it looks extra cool, especially in like the, the Blu-ray v- version I have. Yeah. They did some uh, old school composite trickery to make the, yeah. the, um, the, the uh, shots match when you see a billboard that says, you know, vacation in the Caribbean. And then it says, uh, marry and reproduce. Um, they did some like, composite that's, my, that's my favorite one. Fancy composite trickery. Uh, yeah, that one's, that, one, that one's great. Um, everyone but, talks about obey, 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 marry and reproduce. Yeah. Especially as we're about, as, as we're recording this, I mean, by the time this, this episode gets released, which will only be in a couple weeks, uh, cause, uh, from when we're recording this, Roe v. Wade may be overturned. So yeah. Marion Reproduce seems uh, 
Yeah. Like an apt evil capitalist uh, uh, order. And, and uh, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about how much Ronald Reagan sucks uh, tonight, but um, can't, can't ignore the fact that uh, during his administration, his marriage with the religious right helped uh, create the modern, um, essentially like, pod people melting pot that allowed yeah. uh these weird conservative judges that are basically fucking handmaid's tale um characters to uh rise up and take control of uh various judge positions so that trump has a uh trump or any other republican president has a a nice fat stack of uh psychotic uh religious nut jobs to choose yeah from. who aren't worried about the law or precedent or like it's 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 annoying to call them chris christo christo fascists or whatever but yeah just because that just seems like something that like you'd watch in the young turks which i don't hate necessarily but you know there there's an annoying i mean i i get annoyed by leftists uh too yeah, yeah. Uh, these christo fascists but you know what I, I, uh, that's that's one of the reasons that, that you know leftists can't unite is because uh we spend so much time so much arguing making fun of each other yeah um but i mean that is like accurate i don't know like there's there's not a if someone could come up with a less annoying equally accurate or more accurate label i would love to hear it but i mean that that's that's what we got going on i don't know yeah um, but yeah, what were we just talking about? Jesus Nazis? That, <laughs> can we call them Jesus Nazis? I mean, I don't think any of these people should be associated with, with Jesus. With Jesus. Yeah, I, mean, it's, yeah. it's I read something great the other day that like that for some reason never clicked to me that like all these people are talking about how they want to build a, a Christian nation or this country is a Christian nation. And it's like it's hilarious that their version – not hilarious like but hilarious in a sad way. That their version of a Christian nation like has nothing when it comes to taking care of like the sick – or the poor or the indigent or like or making sure you know like all the things that jesus talked about 99.9 percent .9 of the time like their version of a christian nation has none of those things yeah remember like, when jesus said uh i got my i got mine so fuck you remember how he was pro wealth accumulation <laughs> <laughs> it is incredible it and is incredible. stepping over sick and poor people and spitting out like it is I, like I, I know it. I know it's so like obvious and lame to just call out the fact that like they're just the worst. Fuck, they they are the Pharisees. They're the worst hypocrites. Whatever else, like from whatever biblical story you wanna you wanna write. But like it's so obvious. It's infuriating. You know what's incredible is I went to I, I went to mass pretty much every Sunday and sometimes twice a week because I went to Catholic school growing up. And yeah. um. The thing that the thing that's has stuck with me is just random turns of phrase from the Bible that are actually incredible. And the one that like I remember hearing when I was like five was it is easier for uh, a what is it a rich man to a rich man pass to, through yeah. the eye of a needle than or is it easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than the a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven? And that has stuck with me now for a quarter of a century. And every single time that the sort of post-Reagan uh, vision of America gets assorted with Christianity, um, I – yeah, it, it makes you – yeah, it's, it's that combination of sort of like pissed off but you got to laugh. Uh, yeah, because it's so obvious. His screaming. whole thing was, yeah, it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of the needle. And I've actually this this might get it to out, become an like, apostle. You had to give up all your shit, everything, and like <laughs> owning good. Like it was, it's 
here's the thing though i uh this is 100 percent true i heard what uh the cat the christian or evangelical or catholic apologia for like why one there's a whole cottage industry of like people who convince uh uh christians who don't want to who want to claim the the authority of god and jesus without actually like living anything he says there's a whole like cottage industry of like bullshit thomas aquinas wannabes who like scholarly will tell people why what you what it says in the bible is not what he meant because you don't understand x and y and i know what the apology is for why a seemingly impossible task of like all these people are going to hell all these rich people are going to hell because it's literally impossible for a rich man to enter the eye of the needle is that there is a was a town in ancient whatever babylon babylonian or whatever in the mesopotamia area called needle and when you enter the town of Needle, there was a very well-known at the time of the writing of the Bible. So everyone that Jesus was saying this to would know this. It was a very narrow entryway that was very difficult for a cam- someone riding a cam- – you'd have to get off your camel to go through. It was very narrow. It was like very well-known in the ancient world. So what Jesus wasn't saying was it was impossible, i.e., you know, enter, uh, enter the eye of the needle – uh, but it was just uh, you know difficult because you had to, because you had all these other like worldly goods wearing you down. So uh, that is uh, truly the why people could hear that verse and not think it uh, it it precludes them from being a, among the saved people that they claim themselves to be is because of they have made up a bunch of stuff that uh, a bunch of people now believe around <laughs> how oh it's hard. But not impossible because that was just a town name. It's pretty interesting, though, that in this movie, um, the church is essentially a front, and that the pastor that we, the one pastor we see that's an actual like pastor, uh, is a, a blind man um, yeah. who is actually teaching a. Uh, all he's doing is preaching in the park, and he's actually teaching a. Uh, a truly Christian message, which is that like <laughs> there are there are evil forces that are trying that are out there to to get you, and the path of righteousness is through giving up your greed. The path of righteousness is for caring for your fellow man, and the path of righteousness um, involves um, relinquishing um, your 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 addiction to to these these uh, physical comforts, these consumerist physical comforts. And what we see is uh, that guy about to get roughed up by the cops. Um, yeah. And it's worth noting here that this movie is one of the only movies I've... It's one of the only movies I've seen from the 80s that has any sympathy for unhoused or homeless people. I'm still struggling yeah. with my... my, um, my um, my verbiage around the whole debate. So I might go back and forth tonight as I discuss this, because this is something I really, really want to focus on um, yeah. tonight, because like it's it's a big every week. I'd like to find a new pet issue that Reagan Reagan sucked shit on um, last week um, for Robocop. We talked a lot about policing, um, the war on crime, um, supposedly the war on crime, really the war on uh, black and poor people. Yeah. Um, and how uh, the. <clears throat> 
how the Reagan administration tried to f- create a boogeyman out of out of um, anybody that uh, was incon- incompatible uh, with uh, their vision of, of capitalism, right? So. Um, and if, uh, you know, stepping on their faces could get them, uh, you know, more campaign and donation dollars from scared white people out in the suburbs, fantastic. Uh, this movie is specifically from like an urban working poor perspective. Uh, it's about it, Nada and uh, Frank are both traveling, I guess more, more uh, Nada than Frank, but both, but both of them have traveled extensively to travel. No, Frank to too. Remember, he's left he's his family Detroit. behind because the plant, yeah, the plant closed, the steel. Yeah, plant. they, uh, yeah. They, we helped, we threw, we, we, he says something along the lines of, you know, we threw them a bone when the chips were down and they uh, laid Yeah, we bailed, yeah, we bailed them out, they gave themselves raises and they laid off people, which is what just happened with all the COVID money we gave to Airline. Like, oh, it, the, like how, it's not like it was that stuff didn't happen in the 80s. It very much did, which is like what was Reagan's thing. But like, yeah, I mean, you know, 40 years later, that exact yeah. thing is still happening with no repercussions besides to to the poor, you know, the workers who actually depended on their livelihood at yeah. that company they worked for. So they're both in L.A. They don't really want to be in L.A., but they're both in L.A. because that's where they found work. Um LA is a developing city. There's, you know, construction projects to be had to build skyscrapers and yada yada. Yeah, they're definitely not too positive on LA. I think what would have helped them if they would have heard the Randy Newman song, I Love LA. <laughs> I they I just think they need some town spirit and maybe the Randy Newman song I Love LA would have helped them. It's pretty interesting that there's no love songs about LA, but there's so many love songs about Hollywood. Um, <laughs> and now, and only one song about the boys being back in town. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty uh, damning uh, fact about our society that there's only one song about the boys being back in town. Um, yeah. But yeah, that I don't have the seething hatred for LA that a lot of people do. But uh, this movie, similar to Assault on Precinct Thirteen, makes it look like a. Uh, fucking war zone um which fits its purposes so um it's actually pretty interesting that we live in a time where we live in a time where um republicans are constantly blaming homeless problems on democratic states because um this concept once you understand the psychological concept of projection you understand the entire republican party so Republican Party has is constantly like we were talking about with the Christian thing. It's constantly eating, like trying to eat their own sins. They're trying to find ways to to um, swallow their own sins and make them go away. But that that doesn't work, right? Um, the guilt still lives within you at that point. And uh, so what they do instead is they project their sins outward onto people. So, um, you know, the groomers discourse is the you know most recent iteration of, of homophobia. They're basically saying, you know, um, <laughs> uh, a lot of our a lot of our, our people uh, in the Republican Party have been accused of, of, of pedophilia and being pro rape and being pro pro sexual assault. Um so actually what we're going to do is we're going to pick uh, gay people and they are going to be – we're going to start calling them groomers. Um, we're going to yep. start saying that gay people are actually the, the – um, they're the purveyors of, of rape. We have the, to protect our children. We have to protect our children despite the fact that um, they've been demolishing the social safety net for over 40 years. Um, yep. They say they're pro-life but they're not actually pro-life. All of that you can you know see in 
modern world. The one that I really want to dwell on, though, for specifically for this movie and for Ronald Reagan is the concept of uh, projection of greed. So one of Ronald Reagan's big things, and you can read all about it, it's like really worth Googling the actual story. There's a great uh, You're Wrong About it, wrong about episode about this. Um, it's about welfare queens, supposed oh, yeah. welfare queens, um, and his hatred of the unions. So Ronald Reagan, one of his big his big pushes was to try and strengthen um, not just corporatists, but um, strengthen, quote unquote, business owners. And he didn't care about your small little family business, to be honest, um, just like Trump doesn't. Um, you think you're going to get scooped up in the upward momentum that the, cor- the corporations are getting? You're not. Um, but his accusations. Yeah, well, against- on that, just as a, I was just reading that, like, Bill Gates is the, the largest uh, uh, private owner of farmland in the united states and he owns 0.003 percent because the rest is all corporate farms yeah it's wild um but that's that fact is a really good There's political no point if, if somebody yeah. wants to make bill gates into a political boogeyman right like, no i know but it, it's like just it's telling that the only reason like i was reading because someone's like oh as people were making him he's buying up farmland yeah he owns uh, the, the the corporations that you everyone is fine with as the small which have, as like there is no more small small farmer ninety nine literally literally ninety nine point nine five percent of it is owned by corporations and yeah. the largest owner of private farmland owns like uh you know point zero zero three percent of a percentage point your fingers at anybody except for the real villains right yeah um and the real villains will pay a lot of money to to have you redirect your oh it's great just like in this movie yeah Yeah. they love they love it when you don't know that there's evil aliens and instead can focus on the guy who goes into a bank and talks about bubble gum yeah so ronald reagan went on tv and named a specific woman um who had been convicted of fraud and claimed that she uh was making like three hundred thousand dollars in um in welfare a year or some shit she was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in welfare through uh, welfare fraud, whatever. Um, she was actually committing fraud. That fact is is true. Uh, the real amount was probably something like three thousand um, dollars. That over, over a long period of time, um, which uh, I don't know if that's worth the president yelling about on TV. And also, well, it's uh, lighting it, it, an it's, entire it's, population of people, yeah. uh, welfare recipients, as being. Um, greedy and they lazy and they don't want to work this is all coded terminology for uh black people and hispanic people um that they're they're lazy yada yada all that shit is obviously vile and racist and he was dog whistling to a broader public about it and the way he used it was saying look at the way that government waste happens and he used this as a way to cut back on the social safety net and the byproduct of this along with other some direct efforts to attacking uh the hud program or the hud department um the uh created a modern version of homelessness that is permanent until we refund uh hud and we get the federal government back involved in 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 homeless outreach we're we're not going to fix homelessness it's just not going to no. happen. The state the state can pick up some of the slack. California has been spending sh- billions of dollars on this, but they're never going to catch up. Well, and then they're also doing stuff like making it impossible – again, making it impossible for the unhoused or homeless population to stay in the area. Yeah, the NIMBY a- shit. 
Yeah, all, all, I mean that happens everywhere. That happens here. It happens in California. But I think also like you, you really touched on something that I don't think it's talked about enough. In that, like the Republican Party or Christo fascists or whatever, like they've really weaponized the idea of the anecdote against statistics. Right. Yeah. So the millions of people that are uh, that are that are need homes and could use government help, and it's like why the fuck we have a society in the first place, and and everything else. Like we graded my tax dollars for something worthwhile blah 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 like um that it matters nothing to anyone but if they can find one person who misused a government program or uh you know didn't got a job without drug testing or whatever else like that is all they care about they don't even care about like actual anecdotes like there's you know there's no there's no example of like you know anyone being attacked in a bathroom by a trans person but even the hypothetical anecdote that it could happen is all they need to like you know just brutally punish a whole group of people like and that you know reagan was a reagan and lee atwater and all those fucking assholes like they were all geniuses at like taking just like we don't need to actually have a policy we don't need to address the fact that we have a country of 300 million people take the just villainize a person or a hypothetical person and then use that to take away the entire program and people will be cheering if um if they don't recognize themselves in the anecdote as opposed to the statistic absolutely absolutely and and the statistics are pretty damning so um yeah, there's that great there's that great thing about like one of my favorite things to do is show economic uh graphs over time and just point out where Reagan was president on them yeah. and see everything go up or down. Yeah, yeah. Like the the piece that I really want to focus on tonight is the the homeless thing. Because he made it a permanent a permanent problem and one statistic that I, I can I can use because statistics uh don't care about your feelings. Um facts don't care about your feelings. Um, is that uh, between uh, the Reagan administration and uh, the start of the George Bush, George W. Bush uh, administration, I should clarify, um, 60% of HUD's funding was cut over time. Um, And I don't know if you're familiar with, um, say, military funding or police funding, but it goes up over time. Um, 60% of the funding for HUD was cut over time. because historically, homelessness in America, I was reading a, a bit of the, about this in prep, um, is a temporary thing. Uh, the economy takes a shit. And yeah. then during the Great Depression. Everyone ends up Tom Joad for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during the Great Depression, 25% of the um, population was unemployed, but 5% of the population was uh, homeless, uh, unhoused. Um, they they also getting homeless data is really fucking hard because sometimes it's like three people will share a hotel room and then they don't count for the government statistics um because they're not considered a problem because you can't see them um it's just really fucked up uh the economy recovers and then this population shrinks Uh, it's never ever going to be zero there's always going to be people that just you know they they, there's always going to be people that that can't um play the capitalist game um, or for a million reasons. One, they don't want to. Two, they have mental issues that prevent them from uh, working or keeping up on rent or even remembering to pay rent. Like there's eviction is, has been a, a horrific problem in America for a very long time. Um, there's a million reasons <clears throat> why people become homeless. We'll never reach zero, but um, the, the te- usually the population shrinks. Um, and that safety net existed because the federal government 
was was funding it. States would step in some, but like private healthcare solutions, or sorry, private um, solutions to the problem um, were kind of just they were spot checking. It would be like your your church might give you some help because they know you're unemployed and you have five kids and like you know whatever you got laid off. Like your church might help a little bit, but the churches can't actually step up that much and, and also yeah. won't. Um, and so yeah. Ronald Reagan yeah, literally – They also just, hate uh, poor people. Too. That is true. So, so Ronald Reagan in his first year of office called on churches and synagogues to take in up to 10 families each. And he yeah. said this will be a temporary problem that we can solve if if churches can just you know pick up the slack um, and we can cut taxes and slash government spending, uh, particularly on the uh, HUD. And uh, what this created, he also in the meantime, by cutting government programming for mental health care – he booted a lot of people that do need long-term psychiatric help within facilities and can't really live on their own. He booted a lot of these people out on the street. So um, people that before would have had a place to go, they would have been able to um, had their meds be subsidized or fully covered. <clears throat> that doesn't exist anymore. Um, now it's all private health care for mental health issues and – But you um, see you get a waiver and then you get to go on the open marketplace and you get a <laughs> discount. It allows you to shop uh, all the different choices that are available to consumers, which are five fake companies owned by the same people. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and, and to, to note, um, when I said George H.W. Bush uh, was the – like by the time we got to George H.W. Bush, the HUD uh, funding had shrunk by 60%. That wasn't because, um, you know, against Clinton's efforts, Clinton Clinton continued um, this sort of uh, – yeah. These sort of programs, um, yeah. sort of cuts. Punishing poor people uh, has been a popular thing for Republicans and Democrats. Yeah. And there was a, a small scandal that I'd never read about where uh, Republican consultants whose job was to tell Ronald Reagan to, quote, unquote, cut the fat – um, they got HUD money, so they got paid out of the HUD funding. So they were there were consultants paid out of HUD funding that was supposed to go to help people, particularly homeless people. Um, that instead went to people that were hired to destroy the system. And I don't know if you know this, but consultants are really well paid, particularly when they're just buddies yeah. with the president, presidential administration. Yeah. So, and here's the thing. So the federal government just stepped out of the way and let uh, homelessness become a permanent problem. And a big centerpiece for the first act of this movie is a homeless encampment being bulldozed, maybe in association with the rebel cause, maybe just because uh, it was their data bulldozed that one. They'd been around too long. A couple people drove through and there was traffic for five seconds and they come complain to their local city council person. The thing Somebody is, saw something that looked like a needle, but it was actually a clear ballpoint pen. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. like, And this, I think, gets us back a little bit into the movie. And we can go to break and discuss more of the plot. The thing about that story that you just told, Peter, there's, there's thousands of stories like that. And here's the thing. Them cutting money that was meant for homeless people something that's a societal good why again why we have a society in the first place was was a probably legal like it was probably legal for them to do that which is why when you hear that and you go oh my god that's fucking bullshit well the people who who write the laws make sure stuff like that is not bullshit from a legal perspective so they're able to make those transit transition the money let's say maybe it was illegal because god knows reagan and all these people did a ton of illegal shit um they go to 
judges and other people who are usually also getting the same money and stuff like that. And then they go and rewrite the laws to make their illegal shit legal. And it's because even in our real life, our entire world is run by an alien race of evil capitalists (laughs) who don't care about the rest of us and are are not going to let a little thing like the existing laws and the books or the people that would prosecute those laws or anything else stand in the way of making money and know that at the end of the day, um, even if they're on opposite political parties or opposite whatever else, they're still all aliens underneath their skin. And they all are technically still on the same side. And that, I think, is what is so important about They Live because it's ultimately all of them. And that is uh, very, very true in our real life as well. So, Peter, let's talk more about uh, a, a capitalist crisis so bad that they can't even uh, afford to have the the banks can't even afford to have gum available for purchase. Do you want to talk more about they live? <laughs> Let's do it. Peter, what we, we what specifically happens in the film? We've we've talked a lot about what happened. You you um you you watched the movie, right? I I hear things, you know. Well, why don't you? I have to, why don't you tell me, Peter? What I have favorite. what we call social circles, and uh, <laughs> you know things come up. Things you about living they. <laughs> You watched at least an hour and 35 minutes of TikToks about They Live. I think I have a pretty good sentence about it. I've seen some Shepard Fairy paintings. (laughs) (laughs) Shepard Fairy. Can you imagine stealing from Carpenter and Andre the Giant and then not giving either of them a fucking nickel? Fuck that Uh, guy. uh, Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, I've seen Elon Musk's uh, noting that... uh, People just want you to obey, much like they live. A guy that definitely gets the message of this movie. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've seen it. We've all seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the recap. Not for you because you've seen the movie. I've seen it. Can you like? Can you really go point by point on this one, though, Pete? For no reason. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. like every sentence, if you could articulate, if you could tell me how I'm supposed to be feeling in each scene, too, <laughs> I think that will really give. I just want this to be. It's a great movie. I just want the whole to wash over the audience. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. So, can you actually can you do on... me one more favor? Can you just hit play on the movie and share your screen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, it's a movie about a dog. A cat and another dog. I knew it. Who run away from home. They get lost in the wilderness. One of them has to scare off a big scary bear. And in the end, they both they all learn that capitalism is the truest evil of all. Yeah, that's why they run away to San Francisco. Yeah, that's oh, so you've seen the movie. I see. Sorry, part two. we've established you've seen the movie. I've seen part two. <laughs> Where they're lost in San Francisco. Chance. <laughs> Fluffy is the kid's name? Well, hold on. Chance. 
I everyone knows have... Chance's name. What are the? I, I've watched these probably more recently than anyone yeah. because I've watched these with my kids a few times. They like these movies. So there's Chance. Uh, Chance Boudreau. No, Chance is, is one of the people that got lost in New York eventually. He's lost in the wilderness for a while. No, I think Chance Boudreau got lost in uh, New Orleans and he had to do a spin kick to get out. <laughs> Come on, I have to be able to... Uh, Trix- Trixie? Sassy. Sassy is the cat's name. Zazzy Beats. Have you seen... Homework bound, Peter? <laughs> not, not again. Okay, not in a quarter of a second. Okay, here, I'm going to give you a quick plot it's recap. It's easier on. for a man look, to get look. into a screening of Homeward Bound, a rich man to get into a screening of Homeward Bound. Look, I'm going to give you tit for tat, as they say. Um, quid pro quo, as Hannibal Lecter would, uh, would say. Um, I'm going to give you a full plot recap right now of Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. <laughs> and then it you can give incredible. me. A, it, it is. Pretty incredible. If a person did it, it is just a journey. <laughs> At best. It might be like a day trip. Yeah, yeah. But if it'd be three- like it'd be like a person goes hiking. <laughs> Homeward bound a day trip. <laughs> um yeah, what happens in Homeward Bound? So there's three there's three animals. Sassy the cat, voiced by Sally Fields. Uh Chance the Old dog, cast. voiced by Michael J. Fox, the best part of the movie. Um, Chance. And a uh, dog to be named later. <laughs> Fuck, what was his name? General? He was a golden retriever. He was voiced by no one I know, even today. It was right, voiced gonna, by... Look it up. Arlie Ermy. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, bear! <laughs> Alright, we're gonna look. Oh, Shadow. Oh, it is someone I know. It's Don Amici. Don Amici? I went to uh, high school with Don Amici's granddaughter. Sure you did. <laughs> sure. Something you would lie about. Or I'm sorry. Well, if I didn't, I went to... Then the story is I went to high school with an Italian. <laughs> to be clear, not, not the actor Don Amici. Uh, in this case, I am referring to the uh, head of the Amici crime family of Chicago. <laughs> Don Amici? <laughs> uh, ironically, got ri- rich off of, uh, 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 what is it, uh, Orange Juice Futures? What's the trading places thing? His, uh, his granddaughter disappeared once between third and fourth period, and nobody asked any questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, she's an Amici. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny uh, for a uh, very nice, very modest... Um, uh, woman that I went to high school with, v- just a very nice, nice uh, woman dash girl. Um, yeah, as we were children. Um, but uh, that she was like, it was like one interesting fact about you know, like my dad's an actor, and then it'd be like, but an actor in movies that literally no sixteen year old in two thousand seven had ever seen. You can see Cocoon. <laughs> Does Cocoon help me in the social stratus? I I was a dork, so I thought it was cool, but, you know. Cool, I love Cocoon. Shut up, nerd. (laughs) You think my, you think the, the, you think you're gonna uh, survive the El Capitan of the Amici crime family? (laughs) We don't, you're not, who do you think you are, Robert Duvall? You're not, 
We're not expecting Irish Germans into this mob. Yeah, absolutely not. I'm not a, a pure blood Sicilian. Do we, do you want me to talk about they live at all today? Today? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk about they live tomorrow? We could just you know. I mean, to- it'll be midnight in like an hour and forty minutes. Maybe we'll get there. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to recap the plot of they live really quickly. Something I wanted to include in the first half. Did you? I didn't know this until I, I did a little research for this. Um, that there was a comic called Nada by a guy named Ray Nelson. Oh, in the nineties, sixties. Oh, the sixties. Yeah, they. Yep, yeah, I did. That- this is based on that, yeah. So, yeah, uh, John Carpenter read this, like, short comic and like, a sci-fi mag, um, and it's about hypnotism being used as yep. a way to uh, make people um, obey and consume and yada yada, and there's an alien species that makes themselves look like humans. Like, it sounds like conceptually it's a, it's a pretty pretty straight lift, um, and Carpenter admits that. Um, and the he just thought that the hypnotism angle was corny, so... Yeah. Uh, he wanted to use modern media apparatus and subliminal messaging and, um, you know, like, just, um, I guess, the, I, I don't know if, if, if hypnotism is any less corny than there being a big ray on the top of a TV studio that makes people see aliens as not aliens. Um, but, you know. You, you know the funniest thing about, like, that, that whole thing, right? That Roddy Pop, Roddy Pipe. Oh, man. Okay. Hold on one sec. Uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper, McDowell. Roddy Piper. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find the name of the film. He <laughs> hold was on, ki- hold on, hold on. Can I pause real quick? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> That's Roddy McDowell in this movie. <laughs> uh, and he's also an ape, of course. <laughs> um, so, uh, Roddy Piper... For even all the way through the, the the commentary that he recorded with John Carpenter from this, something like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, he was convinced this movie was based on a true story. <clears throat> not a joke. A, not like not the alien part, but about the way that subliminal advertising was used. And he'd seen a documentary about it. And it wasn't till like after that, like so in the last like five or six years that someone realized he had seen a um, a comedy short called La Affair Brunswick that took that topic and was it was a it was a short it was a joke and he had seen that and thought it was a documentary showing how uh um, like how good subliminal advertising was that like underneath these pictures there were these other unseeable pictographs in our paper that said stuff like obey and things like that Wow, I didn't. I, I had not heard that yet. I know uh, Roddy Rowdy Roddy Piper was a bit of a character, yeah. Um, and that he uh, did like towards the end of his life, he got involved in like Funny or Die, and he did stand up comedy. He was on a couple good. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Had great guest spots. Sinbad and Rob Thomas were in that really good episode. Um, like their guest spots were never like. Who's the big actor of today? They're like, who would be absolutely insane for us to, to just throw into an episode? So yeah, I'm sending this to you. Uh, so it's it was a it wasn't a French. It was French Canadian. So it's, it can also be called the the Brunswick Affair. But he watched this and thought it was a documentary. La Faire Brunswick. <laughs> yeah, I know. that's what it's technically called because it was in the French part of Canada, which is a real <laughs> part, Peter. Um, is it? 
Oh yeah, he's Canadian. Though he dons a kilt and he was uh, known as a piper. Yeah, but he uh, they, they he were Canadian. It was about uh, the story of uh, a manufacturer who did man- manufactured television sets, which featured the uh, the ability to do like flashing words on screen that was influenced the the behavior of people. And yeah, he thought for he'd seen that and thought it was a documentary. Um, so he's also the the plot uh, is also the one of the big machinations of uh the rat uh in the hit television program uh the famous jet jackson sure <laughs> not a show i've seen i mean i'm aware of it it's a disney channel show you're fine um it seems like it seems like not what i would have expected for uh the famous jet jackson i don't know what my idea of what that show was like but it wasn't that it's there's an action show within the famous Chet Jackson because he's Chet Jackson, so he's sort of like a, a you know a, a superhero like action hero. Got it. And then it's also about the day to day life of an actor. Great, sounds good. Who's a teenager? <laughs> Does he at any point go on an incredible journey? I'm a ima- you know what um, I'm imagining he went on an incredible journey to try and pass his chemistry exam, even though, you know, chemistry is so hard. Um, the incredible journey of facing heartbreak, um, the incredible journey of, uh, shaking a, um, MDMA addiction. <clears throat> what do young actors do? They act, Peter. Uh, the incredible journey of, uh, transmogrifying his his body into into the flesh of another man so that he can perform the the greatest performance known to man that is acting that's the hardest part of acting (laughs) the hardest part of acting yeah that's why daniel day lewis had to retire he's like turning my body into lincoln through the magic transmogrifier (laughs) machine (laughs) almost turned me into the green cup (laughs) yeah it's like that famous that famous quote um let to Dustin be- Hoffman. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman was a method actor, uh, and he was told um, that uh, why don't you uh, try acting, which is transmogrifying your flesh into the form of another, yeah, um, into your character. Yeah, one time like, a fly got in there, acting. and uh, there's a documentary about it. I saw. <laughs> um, oh yeah, it's a good yeah. documentary. Great documentary about uh, what happens when a fly goes into the transmogrifying machine. <laughs> Uh, and uh yeah jeff goldblum is dead today because of it i didn't know that are they yeah, doing um the the rogue one peter cushing trick uh, no he's, he's, got, a, he's got a he's got he's got a twin brother named jeff goldblum <laughs> um, oh one jeff jeff's with a it was a, with with a g oh geoff well he changed it just to for you know consistency and to honor his late twin brother oh that's where they get you yeah. I don't know if the listener knows that we are right now putting propaganda into your brain. <laughs> yeah. Our, our propaganda is get dumber. <laughs> Procreate while you're listening to this. <laughs> Bear a child. <laughs> All right. What happens in this movie? Um, so, mm-mm. Uh, Nada is a sort of, I, I want to say migrant worker. That's accurate, right? He's literally traveling. Yeah, he's traveling to try to find work. I mean, he, I was joking about that. Migrant workers being like yeah. farm workers. But I mean, the opening of this movie is the exact opening of The Grapes of Wrath. I mean, it's it true. is. Yeah. He wanders into town. He goes into a um, an employment office. They basically tell him to fuck off. Um, he wanders onto a work site. Employment? Uh, in this economy? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, wait, you don't want to. In this start case, that? that's not a joke. That's I'm saying that. Yeah, they 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 like laugh at him basically. Um, she gets he uh gets pushed. Um, you know, out of that office basically, and he goes to a construction site and it's just like, I have my own tools and I work construction. Can I, you know, work for you? Uh, the guy, uh, the foreman treats him like shit. Uh, he sort of joins up with the, the union there and the union is completely ineffectual. Um, it's just that it's a union operation. Um, again, Reagan was a strict, uh, anti-unionist. Um, and he tried to weaken the power of the union successfully over many, many, uh, many, many times in his career. I believe I, I believe last week we talked about the air traffic controller thing. Um, but yeah, yeah just t- it, the movie just touches on that. Ronald Reagan um, was bad. I don't know if we've covered that yet. Uh, but this movie, I would say fuck him. Um, I'd, I'd say fuck him. Um, sorry, this movie would say fuck him. I wouldn't say fuck him because I'm too respectful of our Mr. President. Um <laughs> So, uh, Nada is looking for work. He ends up working on a construction site and he meets Frank. Uh, and essentially he's not getting paid for the week until the end of the week. So, uh, he has nowhere to live. He doesn't have any money for food. And he's kind of just like, all right, you know, come back tomorrow and the rest of the week if you want to get fucking paid. And he, uh, Frank takes him to a homeless encampment, uh, which is near a church and sort of in association with the church. Uh, the church is feeding, uh, a homeless population. Um, but inside the church is a, um, a, a sort of rebel, uh, effort. Uh, the church is a front for like a rebel effort. And one of the pieces they're doing is creating these sunglasses that let you see the state of the world as it actually is. They're, uh, red pill sunglasses. Which is again, um, the exact same as it is, except some people have a skin condition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, I, unfortunately the ads for the Caribbean get a lot less sexy. Oh, that too. One of my you favorite li- my, one of my favorite any. little things is that when he because when he first puts on the glasses, he sees there's a guy at the newspaper stand that you know has is an alien, mm-hmm. and then he takes the newspaper and and goes to presumably read it. And I'm, why is he reading the newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, wait, man, this is oh, yeah. Oh my god! Uh, once again, obey, obey, <laughs> control, control. I I know all this stuff. Yeah. Um, it is uh, probably a prop to make him look smarter. Um, I mean, I guess you gotta the, read I, something. In the I bathroom. guess the other words are there too. It's just very funny. Yeah, do you think that? Let me get my pr- propaganda paper. I like to stay up on all the newest propaganda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm definitely facilitating it too, and uh, yeah, want to make sure they get the typeface right. <laughs> yeah, there's some elements business in this movie man. that are when taken literally, as opposed to like sort of like a fun satire, yeah. are just like ridiculous. Like the put on the sunglass sequence, which we'll get to soon. Um, but uh, that is one thing that I was thinking of when I was watching uh, it this time. I was like, why? So, like, they don't just have regular books? Like, they don't get bored in the, on the toilet? Yeah, they need... Well, yeah, because, I mean, they can see themselves. I mean, so maybe if, if, like, if the glasses show how the aliens see everything, then we got a real problem. Because then that guy is just reading consume <laughs> on a paper. <laughs> hey, we're trying to steal money. Don't waste your money on the consume paper. <laughs> You're giving money back to them. Well, yeah, no, no he's, he's 
he's uh you know he's given a little bit a little something back to the um to the property well they must get really confused at the grocery because you see them all shopping in the grocery store too and like to them all the boxes must look the exact same <laughs> they open up a can that says like <laughs> they open up a can that says like obey the law or whatever and yeah. they're like fuck i wanted green beans okay we need a new system because I gotta tell you, once again, my kids, I keep thinking of buying them Lucky Charms. I'm getting them cornflakes because they both say obey on it. Something's gotta change. Okay, you had a really hard week. You got razzed by your boss, also an alien. And by razzed, I mean he lifted up your shirt and then uh, blew uh, with his Raz- mouth Raz- out of your belly. Yeah, yeah he razzed. The highest form of punishment. I mean, they don't get into it into the movie, so you can't say it's not canon that that's the highest <laughs> form of punishment. No support. Text that we're wrong. Yeah, there's textual, there's extra textual. I'd say this is intertextual. Um, but they, uh, he got razzed by his boss. It's a long week. Goes home. Uh, you know, he sits on the couch. He goes to go crack open a cold one, and it's just chicken broth. <laughs> no. Why did they put chicken broth on rings? They they wear glasses that show the way that we see, so they can buy the right uh, stuff in the stores. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, where was I? So um, he uh, Nada starts poking at this a little bit. He's like wants to figure out what the fuck is up with this this group. And so he kind of discovers that there's like a revolutionary underground group operating out of this church. Um, and some of these characters are going to come back later in the movie. But yeah, there, there's uh, sort of a, um, an effort to show people that there's a, there's a way of the real world. But in the meantime, they're literally like performing the necessary functions that should be provided by public services, by the government. They're feeding people. Yeah, they have a, it's a, it's a, it's a real commerce, right? Like they're... That when when Nada gets there, they're like, "Okay, what can you do so that you can live here and help?" Like it's a it's a it's like a, a mini socialist like commune. Yeah, yeah. And remind me, is this one everything gets bulldozed at this point in the movie? Uh, so it's right after the. It's like they they he goes into the church and realizes that it's not choir music. Yeah, uh, it's just speakers while they're kind of hatching their plan, and he, he goes and talks to Keith David about it, and is like. Hey, there's something going on here. He's just like, yeah, leave it alone, forget it. Don't don't do anything with it. And that's, I mean, the the whole first act of the movie, the first like thirty minutes, you never actually like know what's going on. Besides, you do see the snippets of the the broadcast because everyone in the commune or the 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 homeless camp or whatever, they're watching this like broadcast that's occurring that's trying to make its way in the airwaves between stations, like in the old UHF. TVs where you would like, you know, sometimes get weird signals from far away. That's how they're that's how they're trying to broadcast their signal. And it's just like a guy basically just explaining exactly what's going on. So a lot of the bits we get of like the TV about like they're uh, they're, you know, raising the temperature of the planet through the use of fossil fuels to gain money. But that's also making the world more like all that stuff we're seeing as people are watching this around the camp on on tv yeah yeah there's a um prop there's there's an attempt to try and uh, wake people up it's probably a good point to jump in and just talk about like the there, there's a, a lot of uh they live actually i don't want to talk about this for now let's keep moving um so the um 
they the the encampment eventually gets bulldozed as uh Nada sort of realizing that like there's a a way of the world that that uh, he's not realizing like he thinks and the, some of this is informed by his whiteness he thinks that the that you know he's like he's still kind of clinging to the American dream that if I work hard you know I deserve this and Frank um. Knows he's getting fucked, but is a little bit more resigned because Frank's a, a black man. He's a little bit more resigned to that. Like, he's like, yeah, man, like, black people have been busting their ass since this country, but like, since it was a, a fucking colonies, since it was a territory stolen from Native Americans um, and getting nothing in return. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just... You know, yeah, there's he talks, he throws out his game where he's like, yeah, it's the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Like he throws out all of these like great lines about like where he's clearly like class aware and yeah. the struggle is the struggle. But like he doesn't want to really get involved because which is crucial to the turning point of this movie where they become buddy buddy. Um he doesn't really want to get involved because he's just like, man, I, he says, I'm walking a white line all the time. I don't bother nobody. Nobody bothers me. And then Nada's response is white lines in the middle of the road. Worst place to, worst place to drive. Um, it's movies full of great one liners. Um, I'm going to butcher them because I'm not rowdy, rowdy Piper. Um, but the, that sort of struggle is going to be center to the movie. Um, the encampment gets bulldozed in a very upsetting scene. Again, some of the mystery here, we don't know if it's because it's in association with the rebel group or if it they're just fucking over homeless people because something happened. You know, like uh the mayor Yeah, said well he they're not raiding So interestingly enough, I think it's it has nothing to do with the group because they're not raiding the church, right? Like when the when the the the, the rebel group realizes that the homeless camp's getting demolished. They try to get out of there quickly. But, like, none of them are rounded up. It is just a – they're just bulldozing the camp. Yeah. Cops are beating people like dogs. It's it's horrific. It actually reminds me of a, a scene in, uh, in The Mouth of Madness um, where – And in real life, constantly. It reminds me – obviously, real life. But it reminds me of In The Mouth of Madness because of Carpenter's sensibilities. And there's a scene of, like, a monstrous cop, like, just absolutely beating oh, the yeah. shit out of someone. Yeah. And Sam Neill kind of, like, stumbles upon it. And he's, he's just like – what are you looking at? Yeah, yeah. Instead of the cop being, yeah, like holy shit. So he's, yeah. a, he's a bad guy. I swear. He's like, what the fuck are you looking at? Yeah, and uh, it's it's it, it reminds me of uh, in the mouth of madness. Um, it's it's a hor- horrific scene, and it really lays out uh, Carpenter's sensibilities. So in sort of the chaos, Nada gets radicalized. He's just like, fuck this. Like I can't even stay in a homeless camp. I can't yeah. even eat. I can't even eat beans at a homeless camp and and work. Like bu- I'm literally building downtown LA right now by day. You won't even let me like sleep in the fucking dirt. Like so, he gets. Fully I can't take my beans to a screening of Cars Two and just have a nice time. <laughs> this knucklehead's eating beans. It's not the tweet. Um, <laughs> I mean, thank you for it not being the tweet. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, uh, but what, hold on as long as that's paused I, I meant to mention it earlier when you were talking about like the groomers and what they say about teachers but there is just like I don't know if you saw there was a there was a tweet from some teacher who's like hell yeah 
Um, I hope they give, I'm a teacher. I hope they give me a gun. Good luck. Tell me not to teach CRT then. <laughs> Just, I mean, it does demonstrate that like their, their entire ideology is like, it, 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 disconnected it, it, from any other part of their ideology at any given time. Just, just every everything exists in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But but it all makes sense because um, they don't actually want anything to change. Yeah, they don't care uh, about anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> if your goal is to defend the status quo, just throw a bunch of noise and, and yeah. stupid bullshit. Uh, yeah. If we just other. change all the doors, it'll be fine. Oh, well, that can never happen. Well, I guess nothing's going to change then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've played Rainbow Six Siege, but it's best to have one entrance in and one entrance out of <laughs> Yeah. So we're sp- how is this supposed to facilitate uh, fire safety codes? Uh, you know, how is this supposed to make actually students safer when there's 300 students leaving a building at, w- at one time? Like, no, no, no. One door what in. What happens if there's out. a fire? <laughs> like, uh, well, at least they're, they're not. Yeah, uh, it's it's. Yeah. But you're, you're right. They, they don't want anything changed. So they just say random stuff. And then they. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, um. But yeah, so the homeless encampment being bulldozed uh, radicalizes Nada, and it creates a scenario where he kind of has to like run away from it. And he's kind of cast adrift in downtown L.A. with a pair of these magic sunglasses, and he puts them on, and he has this moment of getting woke, stop being a sheeple. He's the crooked media and their lies for the way that they are. All of these are literally true. It's just in a modern political yeah. context, it sounds worse. Uh, and then he goes on a mass shooting. Yeah. I mean, that's the part like where I think so th- that's the part where not when I was a kid, when I watched this movie, um, I was a little frustrated at like then where the movie went, because I think I thought the idea was great. I thought the ending was great. Like I, I loved all of it. But it's like, oh, then he just grabs a gun and goes to a bank and it becomes like this action movie that I, I've told you, like when I was in high school, I was less interested in like action as a genre and way more interested in like sci-fi concepts and stuff like that, which is why I embarrassingly liked uh, uh, 13th Floor more than The Matrix in 1999 and, and some other stuff that I'm not too proud of but um like so that was the part where like that's why i thought this movie was like oh three three and a half stars when i first saw it and again i i've seen it many times since then and i've you know greatly corrected that misnomer but actually i, th- I think it works really well because what else is roddy piper and the character that he's playing not going to do like I, there's he, he i mean he actually gets pretty far by the end but i i think like one of the one of the real life parallels that this movie gets right and it gets right and then does movie shit with it as opposed to like what we do in our real life but like again what he's discovering is fundamentally what you myself and many other leftists socialists have discovered right there's a small group of people oligarchs who are controlling all the capital and are making literally just hurting people constantly as a result and it's dumb and it's stupid and you find out that information and when you first find it out you know i was raised in a somewhat apolitical or conservative uh, religious household and like didn't care about politics and then like as you learn these things it does feel like you know to use the the analogy from this movie that people use, it feels like you're seeing the world through the they live grass glasses and going, oh, holy shit, this is so obvious and bullshit and blah, blah, blah. And then you go, OK, what do I do about it? And you're kind of like, huh, there's things you can do about it, but 
the idea of like this being so obvious and just wanting to scream to the mountaintops like you're being fucked by these people like we could band together and do something like that's what Roddy Piper does he doesn't know what to do he grabs a gun because there's guns available and he goes into a bank and says these people are all aliens you're being controlled and yeah not a well thought out plan but <laughs> or one that uh that you know in theory is going to get him where he where he needs to be but also again what the fuck else is he going to do so i want to i want to i want to also point out in the context of the scene he ends up he doesn't have a gun just by default the reason that he has a yeah. gun is because in the context of the not the scene the sequence is that he uh is he gets awoken he has a really great exchange where he goes into a supermarket um, and by the way, this we talked about it, but like I just have to point out the sort of Twilight Zone power of that sh- those shocking visuals in black yeah. and white. It's still startling today. The like practical effects power of this movie is is really good. insanely good. Um, and everyone has their watches, so they're yes. like, "Oh shit, he knows." And the, what's and so, so crazy? So they don't. They, it's not. They didn't try to make it a secret because like they have a plan. It's not like it's the first time someone's figured this shit out, which they make very clear. Right? It's like, all right, yeah, well, they we're either going to kill a- him or give him money. Like there's a there's the the drifter guy earlier when he's he's just sort of a drifter guy he says they got some kind of uh they got some kind of uh cold up there end of the world type stuff stuff an epidemic of violence so like the revolution is happening other places which means other people have figured out who are the bug people right yeah um so okay so he gets he he gets woken up he says. <laughs> he says to a woman uh, in the in the grocery store because there's a, a there's a human woman and then there's a, a you know a skeleton woman. He says, "You're all right." Her real fucking ugly. <laughs> he calls her formaldehyde face. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Um, it's also funny about that sequence is it's not misogynist or awful. He's like, he takes the glasses off, she looks like a normal person. <laughs> like it's not him making fun of an old lady's face. Yeah. He's making fun of. Or he's, he's saying, like, yeah, these disgusting skeleton people. Um, and uh, so after that, he runs out of there and he's having sort of like a spiral freak out in public. Um, and a co- the cops quickly swoop in to try and collect him because everyone is calling in on their, their watches. And the cops basically are either trying to take him in and buy him off, which is my, my preferred version, or take him somewhere quiet so they can shoot him. Um, yeah, and- well, they, they seem to be fine with either. Like... Yeah, the they, they're not the trying dollar. to kill a bunch of you're people. Gonna take, you're going to yeah. take either bullet or the money. It's sort of yeah. like the mob almost. Like yeah. you're either going to take the take the payment or you're going to take a, a bullet, right? Yeah. And um, a bullet bullet's harder because they have infinite money. They have all the money. So if they want to give him some money, that's probably that, that, that's why they constantly just assume people have joined them. Like, like like later on at the end of the movie, like oh yeah, they give you money. You're with us now. Great. Yeah, absolutely. And so okay, so. Um, Oh, hello, Kristen he, Simina. <laughs> so they're about to execute him, and he does Rowdy Rowdy Piper shit on him, beats them up, yeah. takes their guns, shoots them both because they're still trying to kill him. And then he's got guns, and he's kind of running away from cops, and he steps into a bank, and all of a sudden, like, the bank teller and the security guard and, like, certain people in the bank are all of a sudden, like, freaking out. And he's like, oh, more skeleton people that want to fucking kill me. Like, let's go. So he starts freaking out. And to really, well, he does start, the thing is, he does comment. start yelling to the rooftops, like, what's going on but he sounds like a crazy person the same way that like when you tried to tell your trump supporting friends or parents or family members or whoever it is that like trump was crazy you very quickly started to sound like a crazy person (laughs) yeah yeah and um so really quickly uh in the comic um the point of the comic is that you don't know whether he's 
he's you know crazy or not um it's kind of like the the the, the psychological twist there um you don't know whether he's just you know these weird bug aliens are all in his head or not yeah um so um what was I going to say? Oh, so he, yeah, he goes on a shooting spree and then he takes a woman hostage in a parking garage, Meg Foster, who I think it's because I've seen this movie since I was 10, but some of it is Meg Foster's face and her eyes. She, is it fair to say that someone just looks evil? I, she's a lovely person in real life. I watched interviews with her and she's just like charming and everyone's just like, oh, I love Meg Foster. I love working with her. John Carpenter was like, Meg Foster, I had such a crush on her. She was just like such a, a joy to work with. Like everybody seems to love her. So I'm not saying she is evil. Is it fair to say that a human being Oh, and also, I'm white, and I'm saying this about a white person. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I do wish you'd stop <laughs> saying it about women constantly, though. <laughs> She's got insane icy blue eyes. Do you She's think? Do you think you think, do you think you think that because her character's name in Masters of the Universe was Evil Lynn? <laughs> maybe, maybe I saw this movie before I saw Masters of the Universe, but maybe. Um, but. Uh, she has these like icy bl- she's yeah. got sort of the Ruger Hauer thing where all they have to do is smile and then you're like what are you going to do to me oh no except for sometimes when Ruger Hauer smiles at you like that you're like what are you going to do to me um, <laughs> you handsome devil um, but like when you're Meg- watching Meg- Flesh and Blood <laughs> yeah <laughs> it could go either way depending on the scene yeah. um, but so he she is incredible in Many movies. Um, she's also like beca- weirdly enough became like part of like Rob Zombie's Rob Zombies. Like yeah, uh, he he was. I mean, even though a lot of those movies are bad, he did a really good job of picking up all these great genre actors that have been left behind by ageism. Yeah, yeah, and 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 she's just an incredible presence. She's someone who like she gets cast because she walks into a room and like just staring blankly forward. She kind of would be great as like a Cronenberg stand like yeah. stand because like she has this coldness to her, but this like coldness with charisma, where it's like that coldness isn't isn't because she's um devoid of personality. That coldness is because she's just got that fucking it factor that yeah. actors need, where. All they have to do is just sort of do like a stare with no dialogue. And she does way more than that. The way she delivers those lines when she's being taken hostage yeah. um, is is lovely. Like she's just. But like, it does. It does feel like she does a good job of not necessarily. You're not like, oh, this person's probably in on it. But you are like, there's something off here. And I, I don't know if it's just like she's an L.A. weirdo or there's something else going on. Yeah, she's just a business type who's just like very like to, to the point. Yeah, I don't totally. Other than obviously, she's very attractive, but like I don't know. Other than that, why Rowdy Roddy Piper spends most of the movie being like, I know she threw me out of a third story window, but she's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just it's a wrestling move. You just roll. Talk, <laughs> yeah. Rest, wrestlers uh, pile drive each other, and then they be, yeah. then they stay friends. For, is that the story of this movie? For, for him, rest- yeah. For him, it's fine. Because <laughs> her like heel unturn later in the movie when she's at the compound, um, she's clearly a mole. Um, yeah, doesn't really work because she's clearly a mole. Yeah. Um, but she she does kick him out of a window after a pretty good. Yeah, unfortunately, I like ne- negotiating him because to her, she's just like this is a unhinged man with a with two guns yeah unlike yeah i think i think you're you're hitting a important point that roddy piper should have could have really used you know 
like been a little more like you with your unnatural suspicion of all women. <laughs> it's not what I said because it's only implied. Meg Foster has Meg Foster eyes. Yeah, I mean, you definitely said that, but I think you know, I'm just, I'm just recapping. We, we can't go into the specifics. We got a, we got a podcast to run. Let's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Peter said all women are somewhat suspicious to him. So. While we're here, though, while we're here, though, can we talk about how that sequence, the sequence of the shooting is off-putting, and then this, uh, not in a way that I think actually is a criticism against the movie. I think it's actually really it's supposed to be. Really, yeah, it's supposed to be off-putting. Yeah. He's he's yeah. not supposed to seem like sympathetic in that moment. Yeah, this this isn't like the late part of the movie where he's shooting just soldiers. Yeah, like, you know, he doesn't. He's, he, he's in a bad situation. He realizes that everyone's being controlled. He thinks that by yelling, you're all being controlled by aliens. It'll help because all of a sudden to him, the evil is very obvious. But to everyone he's, else, he looks like a crazy person. And he's spiraling. He's yeah. spiraling, right? Um, but yeah, the scene is is more off-putting in a different way because the scene is only acceptable for us as an audience because we know he's not a rapist and that's not that kind of a yeah. movie. Um, sh- she doesn't know that. She also doesn't know he's not a murderer. And we also don't know she's a collaborator until the last three minutes of the movie. Yeah, the whole like take me to your home is like – this is not the way to be sympathetic to the audience or anyone. Like, even if everyone is on the up and up, what you just uh, – and we're just trying to get away and it was the first car and she's a good guy and you're technically a good guy and stuff like that, demanding to go to, to someone's home is not a good way to make the situation feel safe. The best way I can defend it is that the idea is that when you're breaking societal rules to be a um, a rebel against the system and you're actually trying to smash the system, you're going to commit things that are violating social norms. Yeah. Um, I don't know if necessarily in that meantime you have to make a woman feel incredibly unsafe for an yeah. hour, especially when you are – he doesn't think she's a collaborator. Otherwise, he would have kidnapped someone else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have her take you to a hotel or someone else's house. It's, uh, yeah. But, you know, I guess, you know, Roddy Piper had a lot to learn. We can speed through the rest of the movie. Let's, yeah, speed, let's get to because, the so, – so when he does get up, he runs back into Keith David. Let's talk quickly about like, the fight. I'm going to give you – Keith David is like your – you're unhinged, but like he's like, here's your week's pay. Like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. But like, I did you a solid. Leave me alone. Like, I need a bunch. and and what happens is that Rowdy Rowdy Piper goes back for the sunglasses that he hid earlier in the yeah. movie in a trash can, and now they're in an alley covered in trash. And um, also, really quickly, why does he try and climb to the back of the dump the the trash truck? He's got the box. Doesn't he just want to get out? Yeah, of I'm, I'm very – the whole – look, that's a part that doesn't quite <laughs> – look, look, he just had a lot going on and he gets the sunglasses in the back of the trash truck. He, you know what? Our action heroes can't be perfect at getting out of every car and trash truck, Peter. <laughs> Sometimes they make mistakes. In this, in this case, funny. he made a mistake. Not to be so uh, yeah, judgmental. This is one mistake. Have you ever climbed out of a trash truck? Don't think so. I've never climbed in, so yeah. It's, yeah. So you wouldn't yeah. like you assuming you would know how to get out of there is like <laughs> a fallacy. Yeah. So this is the scene in the movie that that is most makes sense if you understand two things. One, um, three things. I guess John Carpenter uh, loves westerns, and he wanted to do a reference to the Quiet Man. Which has these long knockdown drag out fights. They go through a bar. They go out in the street. Yeah. You know, p- people get knocked into objects. Two, he's like, I cast a fucking wrestler. I'm gonna have a big 
wrestler fight in yeah. this movie and why he cast Keith David other than thinking Keith David was a great actor and very charming and yada yada was that he's like Keith David is someone who has all that but he's also has the physical capacity yeah. I think to keep up with um Rowdy 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 Piper in a fight scene because yeah. Keith David is like very much like a type of ripped that like does not get you in movies anymore like he's he's strong in a way I should say that doesn't get you in movies anymore. Now you have to look like a Greek goddess or a Greek god. Yeah, you have to look like a Greek goddess if you're a woman. I'm not I'm not saying that, but I'm specifically talking about male bodies. You have to look like a Greek god statue. Um, you have to look like you've never seen a spice in your life. Um, yeah, he um well the other thing too like he talked about it on the commentary track because I mean at that point it had been parodied a lot and he's like look like. These two people are not doing – trying to beat the shit out of each other or go close to death. This isn't like two people exchanging blows. These are two people fighting while they're trying to get something out of the fight. And so, it you know, he was – he's like, I think it holds up really well, which I do too for that matter. But he's like as showing kind of a realistic fight of two people who don't know if there needs to be a next punch. But when uh, when there is, they're willing to deliver it. It's so good. It also it has something that I don't you don't see very often in movies, even great kung fu movies like Jackie Chan movies. Um, you don't see this very often where he seems t- he seems like it's tiring him because he's breathing a lot and he's sweating. But like he has a boundless font of energy and that's part of the fun is that he's just this like he's just this bouncing ball that can never stop bouncing and also there's knives trying to stab the ball um, yeah and but like in this they are like it's like two very strong people beating the shit out of each other and they take breaks to breathe and they like you said like they're they're like at moments it seems like they're trying to help each other up and they're like this fight's over and then and then one of the people either the person helping them up is actually still really pissed or the person who um is getting helped up is like no this fight's not over let's keep going and it lasts for it lasts forever it's incredible it kicks off with the greatest line in cinema history um you're gonna put on these sunglasses or you better start eating that trash can um and from a top level surface it seems ridiculous that the point of the scene is that he won't put on the sunglasses but the 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 entire point of the scene in terms of some symbolic yeah, symbolism is great because Frank is operating in a sort of like, this is the way of the world. This is the way that it has to be and sort of in a banal acceptance of the status quo. Like it fucking sucks and I'm going to do what I can to make the people around me's lives better because Frank's a genuinely good person. But like he he's like he's just like, no, all this conspiracy level bullshit, like I, I can't bite onto that. And it's an incredible – it's an incredible political point to make about how most of us see this stuff where like most of us recognize that we're being exploited or we are exploiting people and that's wrong and we have to live with the guilt of it or, you know, so- something on that level. But like, yeah, we have to at some point, but we at some point go like, yeah, but I can't like be go full smash the system and putting on the sunglasses is a symbol for. Yeah. Like hey, he, he, what else are you going to do now that you know that ev- any person that you meet could be a evil alien uh, uh, capitalist. But it's like that poll they did a couple years ago, right? They showed that like right-wingers are are generally uh, are generally happier and more content and stuff like that than people like that are left-wing. And it's like, it's not it's not surprising that that's 
the case because like if you don't think global warming exists and you don't think there's systemic oppression of 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 uh you know minorities and lgbtq people and you know you don't think that there's like any way to stop any societal problem that's not just go to church and pray about it and god will sort everything out like you don't have to worry about any of it. And if you don't have to worry about any of it, you may you may be happier in your day-to-day because you are such a terrible person ignoring everything. And so like there there is a and I mean I went through that journey too. I think we there was a good Twitter thread back in like the the 2020 election about like what caused you to be radicalized and people just sharing their experience. And like it's true. Like I I went from like, you know, uh what I I would have considered myself like a liberal or a democrat or whatever else you know from a from a apolitical to like more and more left to the point that like you know now i'm i'm extraordinarily left on on the on the on the spectrum just because like you eventually just realize that the solutions of like uh 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 Obamacare and all these other things like they don't work like you can't or or like police reform doesn't work. You can't fix a system that is that is at by design delivering the outcome it's supposed to by reform. And so like but that's like that's a tough thing to get to sometimes mentally like you know it's not something that usually just happens one day unless you were lucky enough to somehow live in a live in a family or a, a education community that was like um you know was was aware of it and teaching you it from a young age yeah absolutely and the fact that they're white and black is is pretty telling yeah um, that, that's not a statement that like too. this is representative of the white population no. and, and and it's also not um the white population needs to shake the black population to wake up like that's not the point the point is that they are two people who have clap they they there are two people that uh, should have class solidarity. Yeah. That race issues and class issues cross over all the time. It's similar to how um, gender issues and race issues cross over the time. And, it, and, it, and like, that's why on the show I've made fun of, like, white feminism before because, like, this sort of, like, idea that, like, you're not actually challenging the status quo. If you're not challenging the status quo, you're not actually helping anybody, right? Well, it is um, – on that point, and, and though, like this, these 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 tr- these these crossover points, the transsectionalism of these 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 uh, experiences is really important. I think it's really important that whether or yeah. not you're a full blooded revolution socialist or whatever, or if you're like a democratic socialist like me, um, you, whatever whatever position you're in, you have to represent you have you have to um, represent the. Um, solidarity of the classes and the transactionality of races when you're having these conversations or you're 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 robbing everybody you're robbing yourself you're robbing all the participants of like a better ally you're robbing you're you're robbing the those experiences of being being shared um it's, it's just like the fact that they're white and black is so perfect because they literally are bashing their heads together until they come to a common understanding of oh wait you're not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. Let's go. And they kind of know while they're fighting that this is their path to like some sort of agreement that Frank is going to win and not is just going to accept this and maybe move on to the next town or whatever. He probably can't put, you know, once it's he's sort of been red pilled, like he kind of yeah. can't take the glasses off. Um, but um, 
but Frank, but like if if Nada wins, Frank has to come along. Well, and this is also articulated by Frank earlier too. Like the consequences for doing this are different too. Like which which is which is also yes. something that like we extra textually know too. Like most of the aliens are presenting themselves as white people for a reason, and uh, you know we also know from just extra textual knowledge. Like my guess is like you know when the like the police. You know, uh, arrest not and say we'll give you money. Like, do they do? You know, Frank's already said that he lives in a different world from that perspective. So, like, is this movie over in twenty five minutes or whatever? Well, yeah. So the I mean, the consequences like are potentially different, which again isn't explicitly laid out in this scene or in some of the other moments, but it definitely is implicitly laid out by the fact that we see the races of 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 the, most of the aliens. I I want to say all but i think there's a couple guards um that that's not that's not true of later um but i think those might just be humans that they've they've recruited or something like that um and uh but also all the the whole speech that frank gives gives not earlier in the movie about like this is different for me and you in the way yeah. that we pursue it so um and, oh and, and the best my the best moment in the movie for me happens in the middle of this fight where um, they kind of get caught up in it and Nada swings a bat at Frank and it smashes the back of a car window and they both look shocked and Nada immediately goes, I'm so sorry. And then Frank gets so pissed off, he swings the bottle in his hand against the car to make a um, bottle knife. I don't know what the, I don't know what the common term is for yeah, it. Yeah, sure, bottle knife. He's going to crack stab him. Yeah. Um, uh, Cause he's going to crack the bottle. Yep. He's going to stab him. And he, uh, and it, it just shatters in his hand, which is incredible. Um, also, <laughs> I've seen guys do this in real life, and I watched my brother do it in real life once when we were camping. What, not actually to get into a fight. Yeah, I tried. I did it. I did a thing in movies. I did it I, once as a joke too, and it actually worked perfectly. But I can see where it could not. Yeah, well, uh, Charlie's just shattered basically down to his like his fingers, and he was like, "Well, I'm glad that didn't fucking shred my hand open." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, I was very young, and, very stupid. Um. Yeah, so what was I going to say? Oh, and then, like, it goes from, like, I'm so sorry to, like, and then Frank gets even more pissed because he's just like, humans hit me with a fucking board. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's like, that goes beyond the rules that we've, the wrestling rules we've settled, right? Yeah. Um, it's so, it's, it's so good. And the, the way that the sequence ends is them in a hotel room licking their wounds. I think Nada makes a joke about like ain't love grand. Like they're sort of like they're sort of accepting the fact that they're in this together now. They're sort of in this like they're they're on this dead end road together. There's no going back anymore. Frank can't go back to Detroit to his his wife and, and two kids anymore now that he knows the state of the world. Like his his duty is now yep. bigger than just sending home a paycheck. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 and that they are bonded in a way they're bonded they're they're welded in fire. Those two visit the, um, the the rebel society. Those guys all get blown away, and so we get pushed into the third act, which is basically um, well, they escape down the sewer and find where where they meet. They have all their their secret tunnels, their secret meeting tunnels, where all the aliens get together for black tie affairs, where they're like, "We're doing it, we're screwing them." Yeah, yeah, and they're talking about thirty nine percent profits on average yeah. across. It literally is just a board meeting. Like it's while people are yeah. bored, or while people are literally like homeless, like yeah. they're they're touting record profits, right? We all can recognize that. Um, yes. So a work of fiction, people. 
Again, the fact that it's so banal is the reason that it, it resonates. And the fact that they all put on their suit and have their briefcases to do interdimensional travel is is part of that gag. Yeah. Um, so they, they, yeah, after jumping through an incredible wormhole thing, um, which is just a great special effect. It's like literally a hole with like black light on the other side. It's, it's incredible. Um, they... Uh, pull their guns out and start blowing their way through a television studio, which is resting on top of their secret meeting place. Yeah. So they have two like machine guns and they're just marching down the hallways, blowing away guards and like black camo. And while this is like well shot and there's some cool carpenter touches, like like close ups of like barrels just rising because it's sort of a foregone conclusion that they're going to win. I have a problem with this because the movie in the first has a great fight scene in the first act, which is the shootout uh, in downtown L.A. And then it has a great uh, fight scene in the second act, which is the eight minute fight. And I don't think that the finale is that exciting. I think it needed like a really bravura fight scene for this, but it's it's mostly them marching down alleys. And I like this on a textual level. Um because it's sorry, I like this on a thematic level because they're they're marching down boring ass corporate hallways yeah. and blasting guys. Like they're literally just marching through like the banality of all this. Again, that's that's the thing. It's it. There's nothing here that is like, oh, now we see the secret aliens and all their like technology and powers and like. There's like another layer to the evil be, beyond the capitalist evil that we've seen. There's there's not like. Everything that we've seen them doing as humans is is the same. There's not another layer that is evil enough. Like, being Ronald Reagan is evil enough. It's so evil. And John Carpenter talks about this when he was making the movie. Like, that it, it seems like they are almost inhuman and only an alien species would come to Earth and just destroy it for the sake of a wealthy few. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's... I just wish that they had figured out a way to have um, a tremendous action sequence married to that in the third third yeah. sequence because it is just kind of it kind of just feels like they walk to the roof and blow up a satellite. Well, there right? is. I mean, he does go to the, they see the news station. He takes some stuff hostage and like shoots a few people and runs up there. Like it's just not that exciting, right? It's not that exciting. Like, I, this is a shootout movie. Is not that exciting except no. for the 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 reveal scene with the sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean that. I think that's true. I think you forget about the guns even being a big factor. He does get on the roof. Meg reveals herself to be a traitor. He shuts down the satellite. We see a great three minutes of like everyone finally being able to see what what these aliens look like. And as a kid or a high school kid, I was like, "Wow, what was the what was the next day like there?" And and I you know think thinking like revolution or man, I'd love to see that sequel movie and like i said earlier like i do think that like the actual answer as i've seen everything i've seen over the last 20 years especially and read about all the stuff that happened before i was politically aware too uh my guess would be uh it would be like uh you know a three-day story on cnn and someone would interview an alien they're like we're people we're following all the rules as they're laid out we're just trying <laughs> we're just trying to take advantage of this great country's freedom 
You know, we didn't we, want to experience the bigotry that happens, and like they find another yeah. way to step on the face yeah. of of minorities. Like, like we didn't want to experience the bigotry that that is experienced on this planet. Yeah. We wanted to enjoy the beautiful country that is America with all the benefits. If you're anti-alien, you're anti-American. Like, I mean, that's that's yeah. that's what would happen. Like, that's the, day three. Like day 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 seven of this movie is like <laughs> everything stays the same. Like that's yeah, and that but. But I think that is something that maybe even in 1984 when this movie came out, like John Carpenter wouldn't have said. I don't know what he would say now. But I just like – I the amount of times I feel like we've seen something like major that is like this This should change everything. Like even just the last like global warming international report. It's like, oh my god, we're in so much trouble and everyone's – it's like the, you know, the eighth page, the, the eighth page on the paper. Like, oh, new global warming report says all going to die. 20 years. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, it's 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 just amazing how much we are just unable to um to do anything like societally so far against like this. And I know that's not like I mean that that feeling is, we we it's not like there isn't pockets and and leaps of progress here and there. It's just you know it's it's um definitely in the last you know couple decades in this country especially it does feel like. All the money and all the resources going the wrong way. And, you know, in the last six or seven years, all of the guardrails to even potentially protect or have a it, it just feels like the at this point, all the rules are really getting rigged against us. And, yeah. Yeah. And and, and uh, there's a great there's a great line earlier where it says uh, you were talking about the happiness thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a great line earlier where he says, don't wear them glasses too long. Starts to feel like a knife turning in your skull. Yeah. It's like the truth hurts. Yeah. And like you can't mainline truth junk 24 seven. Right. Like um, this also explains the low subscriber count to my zine. Um, Cause truth hurts. You know, the truth hurts. And you know, the world needs a wake up call. Um, and sometimes it hits snooze. Yeah, uh, and your, your zine is specifically about the death of zine culture and people just don't want to hear it. Through they a don't want to hear it. It it feels. I mean, and I they're speaking with their dollars. You, you remember that I'm a critic, right? And while typically on this show I'm a movie critic, that. it critic is like being knighted. Like I have a broad ability to criticize things. Um, yeah, and so I just want to. I want to. I want to knight you in that I want to uh, make you go night night by punching you in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, you live, I sleep. Um, <laughs> But uh, I I just want to, like, my one criticism would be, like, I also agree the death of zine culture is a problem. I do think if that is your major concern, the best way to get your activism out is by your own a- admission, not through a zine. <laughs> you, you're saying so, – so similar to – we started this episode talking about the form of this movie and the form is that it's pitching – it's pitching to a mass pop – it's p- pitching to a pop culture audience a message that popular culture desperately needed yeah. to hear, similar to Repo Man and Re- Robocop, most of Verhoeven's films, um, Snowpiercer. It's it's, it's pitching uh, – and, I, I, you know, we kind of talked about, like, funny games. Like, one of the limitations of those movies is that they were kind of like – they they didn't actually end up speaking to the culture yeah. that probably needed the message. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, the intended message. Yeah. <clears throat> um. The uh, maybe I needed to speak about zines in the form of a TikTok. Yeah, that would have. I mean, that would have been an idea. Is what I'm saying. I'd like if you're certainly an idea. You know, as, as an example from this movie, like if your big pet peeve is like the death of the UHF channel, 
which mm-hmm. does not exist anymore. Yep. The worst way you could get that message out is through trying to broadcast to a UHF channel. <laughs> so I mean it's the same thing. I mean Yeah, yeah. If I wanna if I wanna talk about uh the death of Betamax, I probably should not uh, distribute uh yeah, don't get Betamax tapes. Yeah, you can support your cause or VHS tapes for that. You can't it, you can't support your cause on the dead medium you're trying to revive. That's all I'm saying. You know, just 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 some feedback from a just prof- pitching it. professional movie critic. Can I can I cap the movie off really quick? Cap it off. Um uh, so they die blowing up the satellite. There's a shocking moment in the finale where uh, Meg Foster, who you can clearly tell is evil because of her eyes, um, shoots Frank in the head. It is startling. Yeah. Um, it's it's straight up like a Halloween moment. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, he uh, she goes up on the roof um, and Roddy Piper just knows something's up, shoots her. Um, he starts getting shot by helicopters and he says, fuck it and blows up the array uh which reveals to the world yeah. who um who is really who uh the final moment is um a woman in bed um she has boobs which are pretty cool um and she uh looks down at her uh partner and he's like what's wrong honey yeah um and he's he's an alien yeah and your takeaway um, from that scene is the woman was probably evil my takeaway from the scene is that that woman made Maybe. bad choices about her date that evening. Yeah. Um, she seems like a nice lady based on the fact that. It's a very, it's have, a very long she, boss. She doesn't have Meg Foster's <laughs> eyes, specifically Meg Foster's eyes. And she's not an alien. Like, she's clearly. She's the not one. an alien. Yeah. Um, but uh, really quickly, um, there's there's something that I, that I was dwelling on in this watch that I hadn't thought of previously, um, is that they see that inter- interplanetary transportation system and they, they understand that basically, like, humans can go through it. It's not like, oh, nope, that's only for glow yeah. blocks. Um, but they. Uh, the fact that they they don't end this movie blowing up that array and then stepping through there and like, let's go see how their world is, um, is it's 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 both. Um, I think the movie is better for them not making that twist. It also makes the end kind of sad, but the movie is better for that twist because they die on Earth to liberate Earth. Yeah, like they are making the ultimate sacrifice. This is not a movie about these badass heroes killing these aliens. Yeah, it's about these people who pay literally. They lose the very tiny, Everything. tiny bit that yeah. they have, and then they lose their life. Yeah. to to try and help people. Yeah. And my take is that I don't think it would have mattered. <laughs> I yeah, saw I yeah, sound yeah, really but pessimistic, I need, but I do. But, but, but Aaron, I need I, I need this to be a happy ending. So sure, I, I need I need like <laughs> the, I'm aware that in real life yeah. this would be at, at most a. I'm saying this is a documentary and this is real couples. Life. And as, that's, yeah. that's why my opinion on whether it helped changed. Jake Tapper has someone like one the Kellyanne Conway who looks the same. And she, <laughs> um, and she, that might be too mean. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I love also it. the fact that they don't know how he is. Even, I'm just kidding. Come on. You know, I love, I love this movie. Uh, love it. 
And yeah, I'm I you know I'm excited to have another John Carpenter down. This month has already been great. We've only done two, and already next week, Peter, we're in another one, a movie that are, like all these movies are on my like top 100 list, I think. And and yeah. we're in Repo Man is uh, probably the mo- the one that I've seen. Uh, f- I saw it for the first time probably like 10 or 11 years ago. Blew my fucking mind. Uh, can't wait to talk about it on the show because it is de- it's less of a like a, a humanistic portrayal of like the damages of. Reagan and capitalism and is much more of the punk version of uh, fuck you old man you suck so bad uh, and that's fun too so I can't wait next week Peter to talk about Alex Cox Alex Cox's repo man we can talk about his cock too I mean I yeah we can talk about his cock six yeah we can talk about his cock six um, we probably won't we'll, we'll probably forget by the time we record we'll probably talk more about his brain and his a lot of a lot of women these days are just concerned with the cock six but we're really more into the cerebellum. Yeah, really, you know, we're we're uh, what's that na- what's that stupid name for like epididymis? No, when the people were like, I, I thought you were doing the good I'm attracted. Okay. No, I'm attracted to smart people. <laughs> well, what did they call themselves? Oh, yeah, sap- sapiosexuals. Yeah, yeah, or that, yeah. We're we're de- when it comes to Alex Cock, we're sapiosexuals. <laughs> um, so with that, I guess, hey Peter, you can live all you want. I'm going to go to sleep because it's nighttime. Hey. Nighttime is the right time to get waking up. Night. Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. Show, we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it and it's because it really does help and so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, with kisses and smooches Peter and Aaron. <laughs>